CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Thursday, October 27th, 2022. Here's a headline uh, from today's uh, Chicago Sun-Times, my beloved Bright One, home delivered every day. And I'll keep it local because I'm going to have a conversation. The conversation I'm about to have is about local news. I know I've been talking a lot about uh, national news in our country as we speak. But let's uh, keep it local. Let's just ignore the fascism for the moment and just keep it local. Uh, here we go. Always a diversion. The stupid things that uh, people in Chicago do. Always an interesting diversion. Mayoral election fight spills into council meeting. And this is a, a news article today, sometimes about a Chicago City Council meeting yesterday where Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, tried to impose uh, her choice for committee chair in the education committee. Uh, that would be a retiring alderman, uh, James Kappelman. In the face of resistance from the city council that wanted to advance uh, alderwoman Sophia King as uh, chair of the education committee. Let me just point out a few things, people, that were, weren't necessarily in the story to show you how weird we are in the city of Chicago and how meaningless most of the stuff that happens in the city council is to reality. The Education Committee of Chicago City Council has traditionally been a rubber stamp. They've never done anything remotely worthwhile since I can remember. And I've been around the whole time they've been around. They've been absent from taking a stand on closing of schools, from top-down curriculum, from firing teachers, for not getting nurses and clinicians and therapists and librarians. They look the other way. They have a committee. They have staffers on the payroll. They do nothing. They are a freaking rubber stamp of the mayor. That's all they've been. They were even at their worst during the days of Rahm Emanuel when he... Uh, had his showdown fight with Karen Lewis. Oh, I could beat her. She's a woman. I could beat a woman. And she totally mopped the floor with him, as we all know, in that strike. And they were worthless then. And they're worthless now. So why even have them? Anyway, the previous chair, who was a rubber stamp for Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Michael Scott, stepped down 
in the middle of his term that didn't complete it because he got some nice job in the private sector, leaving a vacancy as chair. That vacancy is uh, probably should have gone to Alderwoman Sophia King, who was the vice chair. By the way, she's leaving the city council because she's running for mayor. So she's asking to be put in as committee chair, even though she's not going to be the committee chair like in how many months? Three months. James Kappelman is Lori Lightfoot's choice. He's leaving the city council because he's retiring. So it's a fight between two lame ducks to chair a worthless committee that's a waste of your money. You should take the money that it spends on the education committee and the city council and use it to hire some librarians in Chicago public schools. That's just my thought. But they had a fight. <laughs> and I'm happy to say the mayor lost. It's always good when the city council. I, I don't care, folks. It's always good, I believe, uh, in this day and age. Well, I guess I could. I, I guess it does depend on the issue. But I always find it a little encouraging. A little, the city council shows a little backbone. In its dealings with mayors. All right, enough on that. That's what's going on in the world. As I turn my attention to my distinguished guest, as I do with all distinguished guests on the Ben Jarosky Show, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. So, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Amisha Patel with Grassroots Collaborative for One More Day. <laughs> um, yeah, longtime organizer. Happy to be here. Longtime organizer and a dear, dear friend of the Ben Jarofsky Show, Misha Patel. Uh, even before they fired me on the radio for being too liberal for the liberal radio station, uh, would be a regular once a month. Misha came in and uh, it started with Madeline, my dear friend Madeline Talbot. She was my first guest and she didn't really like it. She goes, Ben, why don't you get a Misha? <laughs> <laughs> and a wise decision, Madeline. Amisha Patel is awesome. I'm a huge fan. Everybody knows I'm a huge fan of Amisha. Uh, she's a fighter for all the right things in the world and not afraid to take a stand and stand up to mayors, unlike aldermen in the city council. And I'm talking about real mayors, like who are all powerful, like a Daly and a Rom. You know, not mayors who are under siege, like a Lori Lightfoot. Oh, they're all so tough now, huh, Amisha? Uh, Anyway, you're stepping down uh, from your position with Grassroots Collaborative, uh, so let's talk about it. Um, first and foremost, uh, your health. Why don't you get into that? I know a lot of your fans and friends uh, want to know about your health, so let's talk about that. Go ahead. Give us an update. Yeah, and actually I'm having flashbacks to five years ago being on your show in studio talk when I first got diagnosed with cancer. Um so, you know, five years later, I really thought I was done. Um, you know, I actually thought I was done as soon as I finished treatment five years ago. I was like, I'm not in remission. I'm done with cancer. Um, uh, and I was done for five years until I wasn't. Um, I stumbled upon it looking for trying to get insight to other issues happening. Um, so I feel really lucky because when you have tumors on your liver, you don't feel pain. Um, so by the time I would have felt pain in my body, it would have probably been too late. So I really, um, just so lucky that I stumbled upon a whole, a whole host of tumors in my body, um, earlier this year. And so had major surgery, um, people, doctors thought I was young enough and I was so like handle, normally you just start with chemo, but I was really, we decided to go a bit more radical, um, and cut out all the tumors. 
first. And so I'm really glad we did that. And then I just finished six rounds of chemotherapy. Pretty brutal. Um, and cancer, I think, has touched most of your listeners, either, you know, somebody you know or love or yourself has gone through this, um, some version of this. And chemo is brutal. Uh, I am um, really happy to be done with chemo. Uh, the I'm left with pain in my hands and feet. I have neuropathy. So um, I had it last time too, and it went away after six months. So I'm hoping that's what happens again, is that it goes away. Um, and But I have some really good news, which is just uh, two days ago, learned that my scans came back clear after finishing. So um, you know, I never wanted to be, you know, people said I was in remission five years ago, like I said, and they hated it. And now it's the best I can ask for. And it's where I am. So learning to love that word um, slowly that I'm in remission and really, really glad to be um, on this side of treatments. And, you know, I've learned, it's like, I have so many parallels to organizing and, can, you know, and cancer, because it's like a, you know, freaking oppressive force. Um, uh, and, I've just learned so much about, you know, kind of what we need to go through brutal battles, whether it's um, fighting for our neighborhoods or communities, um, fighting for the, you know, or fighting for, you know, my own health. Like you just, we need people, we need community. You can't do this alone. Um, it's much harder to do it alone. And I'm really grateful for all of the community love and support I've had. Yeah. You had a, uh, a farewell party as you're leaving uh, Grassroots Collaborative uh, on Monday. And um, I was invited to attend and I missed it because once again, I was behind on my deadline, uh, story of my life. But I know that must have been a very gratifying moment, uh, all the people who showed up to support you. Uh, and uh, you've been on the front lines of community activism in Chicago. You told me this before we went in the air since 2002. I'm like, God damn, I didn't realize it was that long because uh, that's already 20 years. And I just don't have you in my mind as such a young person because... I don't know. I'm I just am young. In my mind. <laughs> you are young. Like 2002 as uh, 20 years. So you have some perspective on it. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Chicago then and Chicago now in terms of what you've seen as a community activist dealing with the powers that be in this city. Yeah. I mean, so much, so much has changed and also so much hasn't. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that I think about, you know, so I joined Grassroots Collaborative 15 years ago as a union organizer before that. And when I joined Grassroots Collaborative, one of the things that we, we've done consistently through my time there is a, what we call power mapping. So really trying to do a, like an analysis of understanding power, whether it's the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, whatever the kind of lens is. So when we did our Chicago power mapping, um, you know, it was like really became clear to us. And this was, you know, when I first started, Mayor Daly was in office. And, um, uh, you know, the we really, you know, it's like, under, yes, Mayor Daly was both like kind of opposing us and kind of high, really high on, in terms of power that, you know, he wielded. But we realized, um, you know, so like that, you know, so that understanding, like, you know, where Alderman stood and where the, where the mayor was, when Rom came on, we realized the power map had totally shifted that, um, you know, yes, he was against us and had a lot of power, but we actually realized it was the corporate power behind him that had more power and was even more against us, right? And like, you know, Daly ruled differently, very differently than how Ron did and had very different kind of power behind him. So I think like, you know, and then Lightfoot, right? When you see this real rise of, 
carceral power, like criminalizing people and young people in particular and black people in particular. Um, of course, that happened, of course, through all the mayors. But I just, you know, I think like understanding both like, you know, sort of as shifts in power happened in the city of Chicago, who was behind them. And for us, that analysis really informed our campaign. So, you know, it didn't make sense to just go after Emmanuel. We had to link Emmanuel with the corporate power behind him. And then we started to see some things move, right, when we would do that. Um, but traditionally, right, especially under daily, organizers often targeted daily or the alder people and, um, and you know, often had success. But I also think there are places where it didn't really matter if we, or, if we fought just against that elected official because we didn't understand the power was moving beyond just that mayor, right? And like the face of the mayor. And um, so I, I think that's a big thing that, you know, as we've over all the years that I've been aggressive collaborative, like our analysis has gotten more complicated, intersectional, understanding like what's not just about taxing the rich, but we have to understand all these other pieces um, of how things are at play and how integrated things are. You know, like Lincoln Yards is such a perfect example of that, right? Of like, um, you know, this environmental justice with the shredder being, you know, moved over to the southeast side because they need Lincoln Yards needed that land, and then the no cop, the cop academy, uh, cop academy being, you know, funded by, you know, sort of this machination these cells, and then the creation of Lincoln Yards, this mega development, right, in the whitest, wealthiest neighborhood in the state. Um, you know, all of that happening really, you know, is one example of how we just really had to continue to complicate our analysis and, and build coalitions differently, right? I mean, that's our jam is coalitions and can talk for hours about what we've learned about coalition building through those years. All right. You gave me a lot to follow up on. And I'm going to start with this. Um, Daily ruled differently than Rom, uh, something you said at the beginning of that riff. Uh, elaborate a bit on that. Well, you know, I mean, Daily had... Um, you know, I think the machine patronage, like different systems of what, what upheld his power. Um, it was a different kind, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't Wall Street connecting the shot, you know, sort of calling the shots. Like I think it was under Emmanuel, like with Daly, it was a different, you know, definitely corporate power, um, but it looked really different, right. Than I think how it did under Emmanuel. Um, so Walmart, for example, right. You know, I think we're in that fight. So I was, actually a union organizer and on the board of Grassroots Collaborative when when the big box living wage ordinance, you know, happened. And I mean, that that, that example is it's interesting. Like he, I think, totally underestimated, you know, underestimated actually our side and our power of, in, um, in organizing because daily actually, my recollection is, um, was really kind of hands off for much of the time when Walmart wanted to come in. Um, cause I think he thought it was going to happen, like good for business. You know, he was, he did, you know, sort of push himself as like a business friendly mayor. Right. Um, and you know, I think that what happened in that situation was that he did actually ultimately have to sort of veto our, or, our, our ordinance and, you know, get a few people to, to flip sides, get a few aldermen to, to flip sides because he knew he had to like, he could not, he ha could not go against business, like business had to come in and, you know, with unrestricted. Um, and, you know, that's still true for, you know, kind of multiple mayors, but I think the, you know, um, the, what we understood when the manual came in was like, it was just a different kind of power, a corporate power behind them. And we had to complicate corporate power, right? Understanding it's like, it's not just like one thing, like there was finance, there was private equity, there were hedge funds, like different players that really had a different voice. 
I mean, sorry, a different audience with Mayor Emanuel, who came out of investment banking in that world, right, and was really, you know, kind of trying to push Chicago as a tech center um, versus, I think, daily that it was much more about, you know, still, you know, manufacturing and more of a place of kind of more traditional corporate headquarters and relocations, um, you know, than, than under Emanuel. And how does Lori Leifert compare to uh, uh, Daly and Emanuel? I mean, on the business side of things, I think it's very confusing. Like, I'm I'm confused by Lightfoot. I was before. <laughs> I still am. Like, you know, I don't, it, it does not seem that she has consolidated any kind of business. You know, I don't know what kind of business backing has been consolidated behind her. Um, you know, again, I think it's like, you know, the, um, on the criminalization, like her response to the uprisings in 2020 and around, you know, Black Lives Matter and the police police killings in other parts of the country and the police brutality here like you know i think her her you know her response is really to just then to criminalize young people um you know the the bridges going up across the city multiple times over and over like really stranding so many young people people worker all kinds of people were stranded and when you know when that happened um you know i don't think she's never you know so i i do think that they're like in terms of you know, sort of demonizing and criminalizing young people. Um, I mean, that's been her response. Um, you know, I think even, you know, if you saw uh, you know, her reaction to Brandon Johnson's announcement today of announcing that he's running for mayor, her response was to go, you know, basically to try to, you know, to say that Brandon is about defunding police and will make all of Chicago, you know, much more dangerous. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but basically we'll make it much less safe. And I stand by, you know, I know how to make things safe. And there's just like, she's a prosecutor and she's gov- she has um, governed uh, Chicago as a prosecutor. Um, and I think on the business side of stuff, it's, you know, we were one of the campaigns that we did when she first came in, we'd been doing continue. We had been doing under Emanuel was the fight for 15. Uh, you know, so there were some pro worker stuff that, that moved under her with like the campaigns that had been building for a long time. Um, but then, you know, that's, you know, I don't know. There's just not, uh, there's so many other places of missteps and blaming. And um, instead of finding solutions, she's just, you know, angry all the time and not, and, and pointing fingers elsewhere. Right. And so it's, really trying to figure out creative solutions. But that's, that's true for every mayor. You know, that, that's true for every mayor. Nobody listened to us, right? They, or they took our ideas and made them our own, like Rom did that all the time. Um, and so he suddenly branded it as his thing. But um, yeah, but I do think, uh, you know, it's, this, is the, this is the moment for, for change um, and for something new. And, you know, and I think Brandon's race is really exciting. And we'll get into that later, I think. But yeah. We'll get into that. Uh, and I, I just have to say this in response uh, to uh, Mayor Lightfoot's uh, <laughs> law and order at- attack of Brandon Johnson. She did the same thing to Arnie Duncan. So Brandon should not feel alone. Uh, Arnie Duncan, former school uh, CEO, uh, Barack Obama appointee to, as uh, Secretary of the Department of Education, about as mainstream a Democrat as you're ever going to find. Uh, I give him credit for this. He uh, a lot of my lefty friends go, Ben, you're a sucker. You're falling for it. I don't care. I give him credit for saying it, Amisha. He uh, initiated a series of conversations around Chicago dedicated to the notion that we should reconsider policing and how we've been going about policing. And he's done this in the years after the George Floyd was murdered. Okay. Uh, 
And so when then everybody said, well, I bet he's just doing that because he wants to run for mayor. I don't care why people do the right thing. I just want him to do the right thing in this city. Uh, and when it looked like he might run for mayor, she hit him. It's defund the police. I'm like, oh, my God. Even Artie Duncan's getting clobbered as to fund the book. Then he, of course, pulled out. She threw the elbow. He said, oh, man, that's tough. I don't want to get messed up. He, he didn't run. Okay. Uh, so now she's doing it to Brandon John. I just point this out, Amisha. I just find this really, what did millennials say? Triggering. Uh, because follow me in this. Right now, MAGA is running a campaign against J.B. Pritzker. Uh, that is dedicated to the proposition that the Safety Act, which eliminates cash bail, will mean the streets of Chicago will be overrun by criminals. And you should be scared, very scared. And in that commercial, they drag in Lori Lightfoot. They put an image of Lori Lightfoot, skin darkened, I might add, to you know, uh, as if she's linked with crime and Pritzker. And now she's using crime and fear of black people to get people to support her against Brandon Johnson. I, I find this so difficult to take because you will never have, in my humble opinion, Misha, an honest discussion about how to deal with crime if all people do is demonize quote unquote criminals and try to win reelection by getting white people afraid of black people. It's been going on in my life, my whole life, going back to the 80s with Harold Washington and Bernie Epton. Nothing's changed. And when I see Lori Lightfoot use the same tactics against Arnie Duncan and Brandon Johnson that Darren Bailey and Dan Proft are using against her and J.B. Pritzker, I have to say, the nihilist in me goes, ultimately, what is the difference between Democrats and Republicans uh, in Chicago and Illinois? Please talk me off the ledge. I am on, Amisha. Uh, I'm on that ledge with you. I don't think I'm going to talk you off of it. I mean, you're right. It's it's ridiculous. And it's also so dangerous, right? I mean, it's, it's so many things, like what it does to like, you know, kind of just lead to general like discouragement and disillusionment, right? Among, amongst people who are hearing this, you know, who are seeing this, like people are not dumb, like folks are seeing this play out. What does that do to like, does that make you mot motivated, you know, to like do to make and it seems very, it's very deliberate, right, to like actually demot demotivate. I think it also plays on older people's fears of young people, right? It has so many dividing lines, like certainly on race, but also on age and generation. Um, uh, and it's again, you know, you get parallels to like how people use immigrants and talk about immigrants as being the source of like, you know, like, like um, the source of all the problems and and I think that I think you're totally right. This conversation needs to be about what's actually needed um, to like what is real safety and real, um, you know, real justice look like. And I think it is about this is a place where we haven't we have to build a world does that world does not exist yet. But we do know what it takes to be able to get there. And that's a harder conversation. It's not like, you know, I mean, I think the thing that we've seen under Lightfoot is and the police department is is lie like just like flat out lies it's not even mis like manipulating facts like it's lies about um people who are out on um electronic monitoring or people you know, like this idea you know this is like 
like flat out they're like they're not they don't ever have to prove the data or use the data they just say the lines and we know again who else does that in this country right just says whatever they want to say to make their point even when it's a flat out lie right it's really dangerous um and and it it, it totally preys on people's fears and people are really scared right now like that is real um and the fact that even quote unquote folks democrats or people who are who claim to be on the left use the same playbook as the folks on the right tells you we've got a real problem here, right? Um, and and we've got to actually get to like, there are real differences between who's running um, and and we have to put meaning behind behind that, right? Because right now I think anyone can call them, you know, Lightfoot calls herself a progressive and words don't really mean much when Lightfoot, you know, when she can do this, have this behavior and still claim, you know, use these words. Progressive is, is almost as meaningless today as liberal. I'm going back to liberal. Uh, Liberals started calling themselves progressives because they were inside, were believing all the horrible things Ronald Reagan said uh, about liberals. So they started calling themselves progressives. Now everyone, now everyone's a progressive. And so that word has no meaning. So I'm just going to call them liberals uh, and be done with it. All right. Coalition building. Wow. It's tough, man. Coalition building. Amish Patel. Uh, I happen to be in California. I've been talking about this a lot on my show uh, when uh, the brouhaha broke about the conversations that uh, members of the Los Angeles City Council, a body that looks, <laughs> I got to admit, Chicago, I don't even know if you're as bad as this bunch uh, and uh, we're having, and it was a, a group of Hispanic uh, people sitting around totally trashing black people. Uh, totally trashing the gay couple that adopted a black child, totally trashing the black child, totally trashing immigrants from Mexico. I mean, it was like something out of like a MAGA wet dream or something, some weird convocation uh, of total jerks. And that has set back the cause in so many ways, Amisha, since that story broke, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with uh, particularly black people like, that's it. I'm not going to, I guess the guy who hit the hardest is Chewy Garcia. I'm not going to support Chewy Garcia if he runs for mayor. We'll get into that later. Um, you've been on the front lines of this stuff I mean, for 20 years, trying to get people from different communities to put aside these disagreements, to put aside the things that they've heard their whole lives from relatives and friends. How challenging is it now uh, to deal with it, like in the aftermath of things of what went down in L.A.? Well, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, it's the setup, right, that we, you know, kind of the old playbook that then our, our own people fall into of, of, you know, divide, you know, blaming each other, pointing towards each other. Um, and we know that it just serves basically the interests of folks in power. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that I have enough of a picture of just in the last few weeks, like what has changed. But I think that what I've seen over the years is like, it's actually, it's not actually putting aside the disagreements, but it's actually trying to name them and, and actually break them down, right? That we've seen has been really key to creating some like actually breaking through and, and, and helping people to understand other, other folks in other communities differently. One of the things that we've done at Grassroots Collaborative for the time that I've been there that we've done, I think, really well is a lot of popular education with our membership, with the grassroots leaders of our member organizations. And 
in a city as segregated as Chicago, it is often one of the rare times that people, people who are longtime leaders and activists around a range of issues are in actual conversation with folks who are of a different race or ethnicity, different language. Sometimes we've had monolingual Spanish speakers and monolingual English, English speakers have paired conversations with each other, with a translator, um, sharing stories about what like people's lives have been like. And we, we connect the storytelling with also like history, right? We break down kind of how things have been set up and, and who's had power over the years and how they wielded their power we pull people's own lived experiences into it and, um, you know, never really like never the goal, goal is never to deny or correct anyone at their lived experience, but it's to try to complicate and, and, and um, their understanding of why things happen the way they have or what they've seen. And absolutely, the you know, this is organizing. It's like this question of scale is always a question because like this is really like it takes a lot of time and attention and it's not a thing that happens quickly. But we do think like it's we can't get to we cannot build a coalition without this work of of really building trust across communities. Um, but you know, I remember in 2015, right? Because I was part of the effort of of get you know, once Karen you know couldn't run anymore, like and she, you know it really helped you know having helping Chewy to just you know like making like really working on the race um, with Chewy. Let so many you know I think. The, that in that in that campaign we made a there were several people who were running for aldermen black black candidates like Tara Stamps who made a deliberate effort to actually not run away from the you know the the challenges between black and latin people but he she ran with Chewy you know and did that cost her some votes probably right but like but I also it did open up. I, like, what did that do and change in the name in the, in the to the people that she spoke with? Like, I do think in the people who did understand, like how why why you know like why we are actually are all connected and what was possible if we did work together. So, um, I, it's complicated and it's tough. And I and it, and anytime anything public comes out, anti-blackness, um, comes out in particular comes out. It's yeah. Yeah, just like, ah, you know, I'm so angry. It just like sets back the work so much because it just reinforces people's ideas and notions, right? And it's like blatant and it's horrible and you cannot like explain it, you know, you cannot defend any part of it. Um, and like, how, you know, so I think that's the piece of like, we have to name that it happens. We can't deny that it doesn't. We can't say, well, we're going to just like focus on this place of where we're common. Because, um, you know, it'll be temporary and fragile, but those connections. And, and that's the, kind of work over time, right? It's like, how do we keep really building deeper, deeper relationships with folks and deeper analysis? That's well put. And uh, I, I just want to accentuate that one point. You just have to talk about it. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. You're absolutely correct. Uh, it's, it's fundamental. Uh, so we can't pretend that what, what went down in uh, LA didn't happen and doesn't have an impact in Chicago. And yeah. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely correct uh, on that one. Uh, before I move on to current politics and Brandon Johnson announcing he's running, you said something I made a note and I have to come back to it. Uh, you alluded to Lincoln Yards and uh, a story I wrote about at least 5 billion columns about denouncing it, uh, urging the city council to vote against uh, that huge handout uh, to uh, underwrite uh, the construction of an upscale project in an already gentrifying ward. 
just sort of underscores absolutely everything that's wrong with the way the city of Chicago runs. Uh, I'm sorry to say uh, that uh, Rom won and I lost. Okay, uh, the city council said, "I ain't listen to that hippie," and they went with Rom. So that leads to Lori Lightfoot. Uh, she the the, the vote uh, to uh, give all that money to Lincoln Yards to Sterling Bay to build Lincoln Yards uh, occurred in in between. Uh, Lori Lightfoot's election and Rom leaving office. So she had not taken office. He was a lame duck. It was the last act of a lame duck city council. Total cowardice in action, in my humble opinion. Uh, and uh, uh, and Lori Lightfoot said, oh, there's nothing I could do about it. I'm just, I haven't even been sworn in yet. Uh, and then this is the point, and I never let her get off the hook on this one. Amisha Patel uh, and Grassroots Collaborative filed a lawsuit and she could have backed off and said, well, there's nothing I could do about it. Misha Patel filed a lawsuit. I didn't do any. I have nothing to do with it. Let the courts rule. But uh, she took your taxpayer lawyers, people, set them in the court. <laughs> you paid their wages and had them arguing at a Misha Patel, found some judge, buy anything the city would say on a TIF deal, uh, to find some excuse to rule against Misha Patel. And Lori's like, nah. <laughs> still pretends like I had nothing to do with it. Amisha, help me here again off the ledge. These politicians, they just like freaking lie to your face. You know what I mean? Lori came to the hideout before she was, when she was running for office, told Mick Dumpkin me, oh my God, I love your reporting on Lincoln Yards. I really cannot stand corporate handouts and tip deals. Keep up the good work, Ben. Patted me on the head threw me a biscuit and then immediately did the other thing. Help me out. How can anyone have any faith in any politician today when you see just such blatant promise breaking and lying going on? I guess so this is where I think, um, you know, why we need people to run for office who come from our movements, who come from our communities, who are accountable to our people before they were in elected office, right? Not just like, oh, theoretically after they're in elected office. Because, yeah, candidate Lightfoot, you know, Lightfoot, some of us call, also known as, you know, Mayor Lightfoot, is like, there's a whole string of... string of, And people, there have been so many articles, like so many people have talked about this, right? And the reality is like so many voters are like, yeah, well, you know, she's a politician. Like there's so much, like we just like, you know, we're so jaded, right? Because there's been a string, especially in this city of like corruption and lies and all of that. Um, but like, you know, this is, I think, why I think as an organizer and someone who's been doing this work for so long, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't love election or electoral work for a long time. I still don't love it. But I understand that actually, like, it's a whole, like, we can't, you know, people have different opinions on the left of whether you should like, you know, do electoral campaigns or if it's selling out or any of that. But I do think I think it's really important to like contest for power and to have people who come from our communities and our neighborhoods like decide to run. That's why Karen was so exciting when Karen, you know, like Karen was of us, like was was fighting us. Like she, you knew where she stood before she had like you know the title of you know mayor behind her. Like she was who she was. That's what was amazing and powerful about her. She showed it. She showed it every single day um, when she didn't wasn't for like fortune or fame. It was like because it was what she believed in. Um, and I think that's that's what we need. So whether it's city council people or mayors or governors or presidents, like we need people who come from our movements 
um, who've already been doing the work and who are accountable and connected and rooted in our neighborhoods and communities. This is why I'm excited about Delia going to Congress. Like, you know, I mean, we've um, on the on our political arm, like we've done a lot of work to help her get elected in various, you know, in the various campaigns that she's raised, waged. And I do, you know, I'm excited to see what she does as someone who is really rooted and connected to neighborhood and community. And I, this is, again, why I'm so excited about Brandon running and why I, you know, really worked to, along with many other organizers to find and to figure out a movement candidate, right? Like somebody who comes from our space who, like, we've already know, like, we'll do what they say because they've been doing that, um, you know, for years side by side with us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, okay. So maybe um, it'll be different uh, this time. Uh, so let's talk about Brandon Johnson. Uh, he uh, announced today he'd already been uh, circulating petitions. He already pretty much let everybody know uh, that he was going to run uh, for mayor. And he also been recipient of, I think it's a million dollar uh, contribution from the AFT, American Federation Teachers. So the parent union, Chicago Teachers Union, so got a little money in the bank. Uh, but today he announced uh, you were there. So why don't you be our reporter and tell us uh, what happened uh, at the announcement and why you were excited and optimistic about Brandon Johnson's mayoral campaign? Um, today was really beautiful. It was really beautiful, um, you know, to kind of be with so many different people from neighborhoods across the city. Um, many people, of course, I didn't know, but folks that uh, also folks that I've been, part, you know, connected to and in relationship through various campaigns across the city. Um, uh, the energy was just was really positive and exciting and um and it did really feel like you know there's just like there's something historic um about today and about this launch um you know i don't it's it's not going to be an easy fight i didn't think chewy was going to be an easy fight in 2015 but i also like was like well this is like we have to cont like we actually this is a chance to put out our ideas and what we believe and reach a broader audience and like this is like we we can't you can't wait. There's no perfect moment. Um, and I think, you know, Brandon is a power, you know, like has done the work, um, but also really knows how to communicate, tell stories and, and to connect with people in a very powerful, inspiring way, in a way that I haven't met many people be able to do. Um, really genuine, really grounded. Um, and and I think that came through today. Like, I think there was a really, um, you know, like a great range of speakers who spoke, but I also think his own words um, were really powerful and talking about, you know, he talked about safety and what real safety looks like, right, which is about fully funded schools, which is about, you know, like, you know, parks that have the resources that they need about better jobs. Um, you know, he talked about, um, you know, obviously he comes from being a teacher and being, you know, an organizer with the Chicago Teachers Union. So like talked a lot about education. Um, you know, he would be the first mayor in many decades who would have his children actually in Chicago public schools, right? Like, um, you know, like people, that's not what the past mayors have done. Um, anyway, I, I, there's, you know, I think for me, I, what I've seen about him and my personal connection to him is someone who shows up when he says he's going to show up, does the work when he says he's going to do it, um, isn't afraid to like tackle hard, hard stuff isn't afraid to build coalition, actually understands, you know, speaking of coalition, like how critical it is. That's, that's been like all of what I've known of him, um, you know, um, for, for years. And I, um, I'm, I am really excited about it. I think, 
there's a different possibility um, with Brandon running. Yes, it's a crowded field. Yes, he, a lot of folks don't know his name yet, but they will. Because um, I think when you get to hear Brandon speak, there's no way that you leave not <laughs> totally a supporter of his vision and a believer in what he um, and what he's fighting for. Uh, I have to uh, second what you said. I believe I'm doing this off the top of my head without research. There has never been a mayor in the city of Chicago whose children went to the public schools, as in never, ever, as in never happened. Uh, never. I know you go back. See, before your time, uh, well, Harold Washington didn't have children. Uh, I'm pretty sure Eugene Sawyer, and he was not elected mayor, so he didn't really count anyway. Uh, I, I know uh, Rod went to Catholic schools. So I think he sent his kid to Catholic school. Jane Bird sent her kid to Catholic school. Uh, I'm pretty sure we have never had a mayor who sent his, public, his kids to public school. Certainly, we never had a mayor whose kids were in public schools while he or she was mayor. Uh, and that is for sure. Richard J. Daly didn't send his kids to public schools. Uh, Mark Kennelly didn't send his kids to public schools. Uh, Ed Kelly didn't send his kids to public schools. Uh, look at this, uh, Misha. I'm going back wow. in time. I'm impressed. I know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you this before we started the show. I fix on things. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, before we leave, what I fix on with the poor Misha Patel. She's so sick of me telling her this. Um, so I'm going to uh, try to be optimistic uh, in the face of my uh, just all the overwhelming Audrey, uh, evidence. We, you know, when you were talking, I just had an overwhelming feeling of like um, grief, uh, and just we lefties in Chicago, like we have our heroes and we love them, and and they, it's just they were just so we get the worst, I don't know, fate. Like Harold Washington, he was in office, finally had control, was going to say, brag about how he's going to run for 20 years and he dies of a heart attack. And then we get daily for 20 years. Karen Lewis is our champion, stands up to Rom. Everyone else was hiding under a desk, afraid because they're cowards. She stood up to Rom and she was the champion. And then she got sick. Uh, sometimes when I'm walking at night, I go, Misha, what the hell? Like, why is it just seem to stacked against, uh, us lefties or whatever we are. And I don't know. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever wonder about that? Like how quirky fate is or unfair it is. You ever, do you ever think about that? Well, I think that what I think about is like, you know, um, how much harder it is, you know, uh, for people who come from our communities to be able to like have have good health and to have long lives, right? Like, I mean, I just it's um, you know, people like Daly and Emmanuel, like this act kind of access to resources, and it doesn't mean you don't have health challenges or like tragedy doesn't befall you, but man, a lot more of it happens when you don't have access to, um, you know, unpolluted, you know, air and water and soil. And, um, and when you don't have access to like, you know, to like good food options in your neighborhoods and, um, and when you just like take on the stress, like often, you know, it's like people like, um, you know, I feel like people often are the ones who kind of who we know about the names that we know, or the people who are also taking care of, like, extended families are the ones that made it right like who have just incredible stress and burden on them as well and 
all of that goes somewhere. It doesn't just like in a go and you know, someone who's been dealing with a, you know, kind of continual major health crises, like I, it goes somewhere. And that's part of why, you know, I mean, I decided I was going to step down even before this, like my diagnosis, but I've been very aware of the, like, just it's very stressful work. And um, even with all of the things that, you know, I try, that I have access to and trying to like live, you know, kind of understand and move through and take care of myself, it's just, it's really difficult. And so when you, you know, so I do think it's like, man, you know, I, I want for all of our people to have, it's like, okay, so we have our heroes and how do we take care of them? And, you know, there's a lot of the like, you know, I think anyone who leads, like I have this a lot myself of like, you're just kind of solo functioning, you handle stuff, right? You're used to handling it, you make things go, you move, 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 getting help, leaning on people, admitting that there's a challenge. And, you know, I'm not sort of like inferring anything for like, you know, the folks that you named, but I just think these are real pieces that we don't talk about. Um, and it all adds into the fact of like, you know, what are, what are all of our shots? Like who's got the shot of having the long, healthy um, life in our, you know, in our communities. But um, yeah, it was absolutely hor- like these moments of possibility. Right. And it's just like, in mo- it, it's, it's horrible. And it's horrible. The things of like, um, you know, the, of like what that does to us. And, you know, I, you know, you know, speaking of Karen and deciding to run, like, yeah, when she ran, or when was top, you know, moving towards running, I had never even like, all the organizing I've done here, it didn't even occur to me that we could run someone for me. I just like never the possibility, my sense of possibility was so limited. And then she broke that open, right. And, and so even though we, you know, didn't get to see a Mayor Lewis, um, she did forever change the sense of what's possible, right. And I do think we have to hold on to that. Um, I don't want us to have to hold on to like 30, 40, 40 years of like, of, of a Herald, you know, what it was like under, you know, the Herald Washington, like we can't, like we, we need to, we obviously need some, some wins and we need to be able to, um, you know, have, have some, some better examples or, or a clo- more, more close examples, but um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And we're up, you know, our folks are up against so much. So much. And by the way, Karen Lewis, even before she ran, Everything changed with Karen Lewis people. First of all, Jesus Chewy Garcia is a congressman now, and he's a big shot. Every day you should thank Karen Lewis, Jesus Chewy Garcia, because she was the one who personally plucked you from the scrap heap, okay? I know how she did it. Every day you should thank, thank you, Karen Lewis, because she is the one. And secondly, all you aldermen in the Chicago City Council who are standing up to the mayor, you owe that to Karen Lewis, because until she stu- stood up to Rom, Amisha, really, it was just pe- people like on the margins who had the guts to challenge her. She did it uh, front and center, and the media was hammering her. All, you know what I mean? Both downtown papers. Always hate the Chicago Teachers Union. Always hate the leaders of the Chicago Teachers That's something else, Brandon, you're going to have to run against. Get ready for those editorials. Uh, so, Yeah. There are giants, even if you don't run for office, is what I'm saying. There are some giants in the city of council. She's my hero, that's for certain. All right. Um, so you're, uh, today's your last day. Thank you for uh, taking time on your last day to talk to me. And um, so what's next for the great Amisha Patel? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm going to take some time off to recover from chemo Um and get my strength back. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I want to make some art. I want to write. So I do have a 
I wrote, have an article coming out Monday with some lessons from my time as an organizer and with Grassroots Collaborative. I, you know, I feel like what I originally tried to write was 15 lessons from 15 years. And I think that's actually a book and not an article. And so maybe thinking about doing some writing, um, we'll see. Um, definitely helping with uh, Brandon's campaign, which I'm excited about and some travel. But then, you know, beyond that, I think I, I want to do stuff that brings me joy. I want to be a, in a movement role that is joyful, um, that is powerful and impactful. Uh, I think that could look like many things. I know it does not look like running an organization. I'm going to take a break from running an organization for a while. I've, uh, but I'm around, I know I'm not going anywhere. Um, so I'm excited to figure out what's next um, that just uh, works better for, yeah, how I want to live now. Well, let me tell you, folks, we'll close with this reminiscence that Amisha sure doesn't want to hear again, but I don't care. Uh, and uh, so this goes back to the days when I was on radio and I had a studio. Uh, and uh, Amisha was a guest. I, I think once a month you would come in uh, and you would um, probably why I was fired, uh, bringing people like Amisha Patel on, just saying. Anyway, um, just kidding, Amisha, not really. Uh, so... Abisha came in as she was sitting. There was a phone. It was uh, there was a caller coming in and extolling the virtues of Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. And I, folks, I'll be honest with you. I knew very little about her other than she had supported Bernie uh, Sanders, who I also supported. So I'm like, okay, yeah, Tulsi. This is the, this is the future of the Democratic Party, Ben. Okay, and I'm like, well, stay with me. Our next guest is Amisha Patel. We'll be right back after these commercials. And so Amisha settles in, and she says, she looks across. The mic's off now. She goes, you should do a little homework on uh, Tulsi Gabbard because she's not what all these people say she is. She's got a lot of issues when it deals with India. And folks, my mind went, I didn't know what Amisha was talking about. Uh, I did not know about Indian politics. I did not really know uh, the history of the violence uh, between Hindus and Muslims in India. I didn't really know anything about Modi, uh, who was the leader of India. Uh, and his far-right uh, Hindu nationalism. I didn't know any of that. I was as ignorant as most Americans, ladies and gentlemen. And don't pretend, by the way, folks listening to this, that you know any more than I do, because you don't. Uh, and Amisha, you blew, you just opened up my world. I started reading about it. Uh, we've had guests come on the show who talk about it. Uh, Samina Mustafa, Ramana Hussein. Uh, and so I always appreciate That's why I always say, Oh, this is Amisha Patel. She's a lot smarter than Chicago. Okay. She knows more than Chicago. Uh, and uh, so what lesson do you take from that, uh, Amisha? Uh, just like connecting a politician like Tulsi Gabbard, who is just so beloved by so many uh, Bernie Sanders supporters to the larger world. Any kind of lessons that you can offer about that? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think USers are so narrow. Like we don't, we're, you know, we just don't understand like how things are connected across the world and what is happening in outside of the U.S. and the role in particular that U.S. elected officials and the power that we like that they wield and, and countries around the world. And, um, you know, for me, as someone who's Gujarati heritage, which is, you know, the prime minister of India is from Gujarat. Um, I'm, I don't claim him, but he is from, he is of my people. Um, and, you know, for folks who don't know, Modi is like Trump, you know, I mean, he's a right wing fascist, um, you know, bigot who is, um, you know, just moved dangerous, dangerous policies and actions against Muslim people and other religious minorities in India. Um, and is like cozied up with Trump and with, you know, uh, so I, you know, I, so it's, yeah. So someone like Dulce Gabbard, who, um, 
you know, yes, <laughs> was with Bernie, but then, you know, you have to understand the role that she played and other, you know, and other people, right, who play kind of cozying up to those right wing Hindu politics. Um, and there's a lot of money to be made off of. Let's be real. Like this all goes back when we talk about corporate power earlier. This also talks about like money and politics. Like uh, Hindus, uh, right wing Hindus have a lot of money and they put a lot of money into um, candidates who believe, you know, who like the lobby is massive. Um, just like, you know, I think the um, pro-Israel lobby, you know, there's just like there are um, Hindus put in it, have, have access to a lot of money and have wielded that. Um, to maintain their power and their image across the world. Um, and so, yeah, we have to understand how things are connected. Um, and that is the challenge of local politics, right? It's like, it's not, you know, we're taking on corporate power. Well, actually, this is not a local issue or even a national issue, right? We actually have to understand and organize from a perspective that is that is global. Because um, we're, that's how the opposition is doing that. They're working and thinking globally, right? But, you know, we often are just kind of like in this like slice of things that's right in front of us. Well put. Uh, Amisha Patel, I think she said pretty much the same thing to me in like 10 seconds in that uh, studio uh, four years ago, and I never forgot the lesson. Uh, all right. Uh, one thing I'm going to ask you uh, now that you're stepping down from the day to day is that you uh, come on the show more frequently uh, and you have no leash on you at all. You're free to say whatever you want. You can, you can let your freak flag fly. Uh, you can weigh in on national politics, Illinois politics, you know, the state of the world. So uh, I hope you uh, we get back into that groove where you're a regular on the show. I would love to. That's a, it's been it's been great to get to talk about our campaigns and our work here, and hopefully, folks who are still with Grassroots Collaborative still get to do that and be part of um, you know what you're doing here and amplifying voices. But yeah, appreciate it, appreciate it, Ben. All right, very good. That's great, Amisha Patel. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care.